What You Need to Know is brought to you by Morongo. Play it safe. Good times. Greg, what do you got? First story is a very positive, happy story. Sarah Thomas, who became the first female on-field official in 2015 for the NFL, is now going to become the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl that the NFL announced today. So big congratulations to her. And what does that uh, mean for you, George? Oh, I think it's fantastic. Um, I think it's a long time coming. Um, I think that, you know, five years uh, she has gone out there and has proven herself. And I think that it's one of these situations where she clearly deserves it. Like she not only was she the pioneer, because now we have more uh, women referees in the NFL, more women in the sport in general. There's still a long way to go, uh, you know, uh, and, and not just on the field. Obviously, Beth Mowens is a bit of a pioneer uh, not a bit, but an actual pioneer on the broadcasting side, being the first woman to call a football game. And interestingly enough, college football as well with our buddy Kirk Morrison. That's her teammate on that. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's great. Like, I, you know, the NFL celebrated, I think it was earlier this year, it was Buffalo and KC where they had the all-African-American uh, crew. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, this is just another step in the right direction for the sport. Um. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. The only caveat I would throw out there is that this is more about the misogyny and aptitude of the NFL than the capabilities of women like Sarah Thomas. Agreed. That's all. You know, any first, whether you're talking Jackie Robinson or you're talking Sarah Thomas, their breakthrough has more to do with the people that were holding them back than the people who are moving forward. Because the people who are moving forward, in all likeliness, were more than capable of doing the job long before they finally got the job. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, what else do you got, Greg? All right, so this next one is more for LZ because he is a big country music fan. Is that right, LZ? This is so, very true. So Eric Church is Go going on. to be singing. That's <laughs> going to be singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl no along way. with Jasmine Sullivan. So how do you feel about Eric Church? Because I know Wait, nothing. Along about with Jasmine Sullivan, I thought Jasmine Sullivan was doing it. Was doing. They're doing the a duet. Anthem. Yep. They're they're do are they doing a black and white ebony and ivory thing? Yes. I'm out. That's it. <laughs> I'm out. What about like wanting to I'm be out. together? I'm out. Why? That is some that's straight garbage, dog. Listen, bring Colin Kaepernick in. Stop trying to find every other method singing We Shall Overcome, putting it takes all of us on the helmets and fields, giving money. Stop doing everything else to try to avoid from saying we blackball this brother for fighting for justice. I'm not doing the ebony and everything. And I love me some Eric Church. I was in the church choir long before he went platinum. I was talking to Eric Church like when he was literally in his first single and doing small bands. That's how much I love Eric Church. And I just saw him like two years ago doing an acoustic set uh, down by Travis in the OC. So I love this dude. Nothing but love for him. But this is straight trash from the NFL. Continue trying to find ways to try to mask the fact that they blackballed that brother and they're having a hard time hiring black coaches, but they want to do everything else to try to make it look like it's all about diversity. Why don't you do what's right first? And then you can do the ebony and ivory thing later. Well, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. The devil doesn't need advocate. He's good all on his own. Okay. Well, let me just do it either way. Um, okay. Because obviously you know I agree with you on the way they've handled the Colin Kaepernick situation going back four years. Okay? Like, I, my position on that has not changed. Um, but 
like, let's let's just take that. And, and I don't want to get into this large Colin Kaepernick discussion because this isn't what we're supposed to be doing this segment. But it's been four years. If they haven't done it by now, like, I, I don't think they're going to do it, number one. And number two, even if they tried to do it, would he be capable of playing at a high enough level when it took it, – you know, we saw a precipitous drop from Michael Vick, who was much younger and only missed two years after his situation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just from a pure football perspective, do you, like, I, you know, beyond the I don't think they're going to do it because they haven't done it, like clearly they haven't done it, um, which stinks. But just from a football perspective, would it even would it even be anything other than symbolic at this point? It is never symbolic to do the right thing. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Okay. Even if you simply acknowledge what transpired in earnest and not through equivocal language, that would be acceptable. Oh, no, I'm with you on that part of it. Like, they should just come clean and say, we screwed this guy. Like, I'm with you on that. Like, there is no question about it. I'm just trying to take the knife out my back and then give me a nice tattoo saying love heals all. (laughs) <laughs> that's not that's not good for me, dog. And it's not good for a whole lot of other people. And they're going to see through that. And trust when I say, when people see that image, Twitter is going to blow up and call the NFL out for the garbage they're trying to pass off as cuisine. Trust. You know what, though, LZ? And, and I, I'm with you on that. But the, like, I'm going to now nitpick one thing you said that has nothing to do with what – because I agree with your sentiment 100%. But I, and this is like a bigger picture world discussion mm-hmm. on Twitter because you said Twitter's going to blow up. Well, I Twitter's going to blow up. In I, the I hate of- that we let Twitter or social media dictate these things. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, that stuff to me is also stuff that doesn't sit well with me because I don't think that that should be our, you know, navigating force per se. Um, it should not be. But that does not mean that it is not. And we can talk from the highest office in this land all the way down right. to the lowest office right. in this land. Words right. matter. Words matter. And I'm not pro-cancel culture. That's not how I'm wired. Right. But I also know that it's more than just Twitter trolls that go on Twitter. That credible journalists such no, as yourself sure. uses it for to sure. speak out, as well as elected officials who are credible. And more importantly, it's all about History. History has its eyes on the NFL and yeah. it's trying not to reconcile its past by pressing forward. And the problem is, is that the past isn't going anywhere because we aren't going anywhere. We're not going to let you rewrite. That's the reason why, and I didn't mean to clap at you yesterday, but I'm not going to sit here and celebrate what the NFL is doing on MLK Day of all days because of how they've been treating brothers doing peaceful protests in their very own league. And MLK was the epitome of peaceful protest. But that's, once again, the league trying to do the okey-doke and push forward without acknowledging the injustices and the transgressions of his past. And I you know, I love the league. I watch, the, I watch football all the time. You know Rams are my five. So it's not about hating the sport. But it's like, clean up your mess, dog. No, and I think, the, but I think that those are two separate issues is the way I would describe it. And the reason, and, and because I am a million percent in on you as in, in that regard, like, you know, that I am very much pro player, not, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to say anti-management, but I'm certainly in the, in the, in the side of labor versus employer. I am 99.9% on the side of labor. And that stems from sports 
or anything for that matter. I mean, sports just happens to be the platform we use to discuss these kind of things. Um, but l- let can, can I play devil's advocate again? I know you said the devil doesn't need any advocates. I get that. I mean, part, he's but doing he's just, pretty good on his own, but go ahead. Uh, he is. But don't if this if this was the transparent and I'm not saying you're wrong about the trans, lack of transparency or transparent nature of I guess it depends on which side you look at it, right? Uh, of the NFL choosing to do this instead. But if Jasmine Sullivan felt this way that you did, wouldn't shouldn't she object to it then? Everyone has their own journey. You know, there are people who come to conclusions later. There are people who come to conclusions earlier. And there are people who never come to conclusions. And then there's the fourth category, which is conclusion that they draw. is not the conclusion that others draw. So I'm not going to push back on Jasmine Sullivan for taking advantage of an opportunity to have her voice heard by the largest television audience probably right. this year. But, but if she, but if she really that. had an issue with but, it, would, wouldn't she at least, but, you know, voice it? Like I would. What, what I will say is, well, every, as I said, everyone's got their own crosses right. to bear. And I'm not going to pass judgment on someone who's an up-and-coming artist like Jasmine Sullivan who saw an opportunity to have her voice heard in front of, you know, 100 million people watching television. What I will say, though, is that we see what the NFL is trying to do with this situation with Jasmine Sullivan. We see what the NFL is trying to do with this situation as well with Eric Church. And it's like it's a great opportunity Singing in the National Anthem, halftime show, anything affiliated with the Super Bowl is amazing exposure for any artist, and I encourage them to take advantage of that. But if they choose, if they so choose not to participate because of other reasons, I'm going to listen to those reasons as well. Because as I said, everyone's got their own journey. Beyonce's done halftime, and she's got plenty to say about the NFL and about how they handled a peaceful protest as well. So it's everyone handles it differently. I'm just going to call the NFL out for trying to put together Jasmine and Eric in a, in a bid to say, oh, look, black and white people are in harmony in MLK without acknowledging when the brother that was in the league trying to get you to that place, you ostracized him. And when the president went after him, you sided with the president. And now here we are in 2021 and you're trying to act like we didn't remember that. That's all. I, I, I agree. I agree to that. That stuff I 100% agree on. I just didn't I, – I, I don't know if this is – if their choice for and, – and, and we can just wrap it up here. We move on to the Lakers. But um, um, I just don't know if – everything. I, I don't know if uh, – Is this now this, a segment that went from what you need to know to just like a straight-up conversation? Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it just <laughs> it morphed. It's fine. Um, yeah, that's good. But I think these are important conversations to have, and I'm glad we're having them, to be honest with you, because I do think that there is a uh, – there could be a lot of different – Um, ways to look at it and not only are there different ways to look at it but I think that people have legit questions right like that you know you can inform them on as to why your position is the way it is I didn't think that them having I, I looked at that and perhaps I'm the naive one I looked at that as them trying to be like the country's in shambles let's let's try to unite um black and white and go from there I I didn't think it was that deep but I could understand why you would think it's that deep and shame on me, maybe, for not thinking it was that deep. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we're not even quite sure 
if they were going bold and saying, Jasmine Sullivan, sing this song by yourself, and they got pushback that they may ostracize people, so let's go ahead and get ourselves a country music singer. Well, I don't want to sure speculate that people, on that kind of stuff. Well, so. I'm just, I'm just, we, we, I mean, that's what we do. This whole show is about speculation, so I'm just saying, based upon the timing, they weren't announced at the same time, so it makes it appear as if one was initially brought up and then the other one came in on the back end. That's what it looks like based upon the timing of the announcements. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make. I mean, that the announcements are announcements. You don't have to snap. guess that. That's not a take. That's just what happened. That's the time. Sure. Uh, see, I'm just not gonna make that snap a judgment, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna indict an entire organization based on speculation. Like, I think that that. Now, granted, I can I can indict that organization for a number of things that we've already illustrated. You know what I mean? Like that, I'm totally comfortable with. That, eh, I don't want to go that far just yet. Like, I I want to. Uh, well, here, how about this? For your ease, based upon the timeline, we were made aware of Jasmine Sullivan before we were of Eric Church, based upon the timeline. Mm -hmm. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Do with that information what you will. Fair enough. Um, we're going to go to break and just talk about the Lakers in the next segment. Because <laughs> we've already done a whole segment here. Um, but it was uh, – I thought it was a good conversation. Um, all right. So coming up next – I do want to discuss last night and one particular thing um, that Kirk brought up that, uh, interestingly enough, as we were talking football with him, that stood out in regards to the Warriors versus the Lakers and how now the Lakers find themselves in a situation where they are facing a barometer game, like a game that will – a measuring stick game coming off a loss, and I'm curious to see – how you think they will react. So we'll get to that coming up next. We're back in four minutes. So down on LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So, the Lakers lose yesterday, LZ, to the Golden mm -hmm. State Warriors. And Kirk brought up something that was interesting, Okay about how Draymond, quote-unquote, these are Kirk's words, not mine, mm -hmm. quote-unquote, locked up Anthony Davis in the fourth quarter yesterday. Uh, look, Anthony Davis and LeBron both uh, did not have great performances, I thought, yesterday. It was, I believe, the first time – I don't know if it was the – let me see if I have this stat right. I'll have to look it up. It was either the first time both uh, LeBron and AD have been held under 20 – or it is that they're winless, right. or it's they're either winless when both are held under 20. It could be both, to be honest with you. I, I um, think it might be both held under 20 in a loss or something, because I think they 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 got a couple wins this year. Yeah, where they've right, they've coasted, they right? Yeah, yeah. So it has to be that they've both got that. Anytime they both score under 20, they they always lose. Uh, they're winless in that situation, and I, I can see that. I can see uh, where that's the case, but. AD, you and I have had this conversation about Anthony Davis, I mean, hell, dating back to the playoffs even last year mm -hmm. early on, right? Where it feels like there are moments where he's heavily engaged and there are moments where he's a little less engaged. And we saw that engagement certainly after that Spurs loss where he called the team out. 
and he was, uh, you know, a wrecking ball basically out there for opposing defenses and honestly opposing offenses too, for that matter, uh, where he was playing defense so well. And yesterday, you know, look, Draymond, let's not act like Draymond's not a defensive player of the year type candidate pretty much his entire career for the most part at this point. Um, But it it is one of those things where you're like, hmm, it's shocking to see when Anthony Davis um, gets held below our expectations, right? Is that a fair way to put it? It is. It it, it is a shocking. It's only shocking in the sense of, you keep waiting for him to be like going, okay, I'm done with you. But some days he doesn't choose to do that. And I say choose because as great as a defender Draymond Green is, um, he, he ain't locking up no Anthony Davis, dog. Anthony Davis locks himself up. <laughs> Draymond is too short to lock up Anthony Davis. But he can, he can deter him from things that, that he, he can may deter not- him from things exactly the same way that P.J. Tucker deterred him from things in the series against Houston last year in the postseason. A low-body, thick defender can force Anthony Davis to do different things in the post. But the reason why Anthony Davis is the second or third best player in the league is because he can score from anywhere in the court if he so chooses. If he but decides to if he decides to shoot a mid-range well, jump I, shot, all that Draymond Green can do is like talk to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> or body him physically. Like, look, P.J. Tucker was physical with him, and, at, at, and the there post. were moments. In Whoa. the post. But if Anthony Davis gets the ball in the high, you know, in the high screen and squares him up, he can just shoot over the top of him. He can. And I, that kind of – that was the thing that stood out the most to me is not only shooting, out, shooting over the top of them. I felt like the Lakers, and this was the perfect reason why I feel like they um, kind of took their foot off the gas per se – is they stopped attacking the paint last night yep. when I was watching that game. Yep. And that's the thing, right, George? Like, you can always tell it. I'm not normally the kind of person who looks at a stat sheet and then automatically surmises everything that happened in the game. But typically what I look for when it comes specifically to LeBron James, that in losses, I look at the number of three-point shots taken and hit compared to the overall field goals attempts and makes. And if it looks as if he was taking his foot off the gas and selling for threes, I go, oh, well, he didn't feel like giving him that work that night. And that's kind of how I kind of look at it, both with the eyeball test last night as well as statistically. You look and go, oh, he didn't feel like putting in that work because he probably didn't think he needed to because this is such an inferior team. It's still Draymond and Steph, man. Like, I don't think you can take that. I mean, we've already discussed that part, and you agree that you can't take those right. dudes for granted. No, you shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't. And you shouldn't right. take a Steve Kerr coach team for granted because he's also a champion. So it's like they're going to keep playing hard if they think there's a chance. And us taking our foot off the gas just gave that squad oxygen. Yeah. Uh, well, they certainly had plenty of oxygen at the end uh, and were able to pull that off. Now, the Lakers are coming off a loss, which is rare this year, LZ. It's only mm-hmm. their fourth loss of the season. And they're 20% through the, through the season. And now they've got a measuring stick game, as I like to call them, against Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Milwaukee also coming off a loss uh, against Brooklyn, where they had a, a chance to win the game. And uh, Giannis didn't get the touches in the last two possessions. And Chris Middleton took shots. But now it's them against the Lakers. Now, you think Milwaukee's coming out of the East. So do you 
what do you expect in this one? Like, do you do you believe you'll have a more focused Lakers game or, or Lakers team, or do you believe because it's the regular season there shouldn't be too much stock put into this? Because I do think there are certain games in the regular mm-hmm. season on the calendar that guys mark off, right, and circle. And I think that for the Lakers, this, in theory, should be one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I expect both squads to come out focused. I expect superstars to play like superstars because this game matters. This game is a litmus test. This game uh, is bragging rights. Remember, Giannis has LeBron's MVP, and he probably wants it back. (laughs) So I expect a focused LeBron, one who won't get called for traveling, and I expect Anthony Davis not to have somebody five inches shorter than him, quote-unquote, lock him up. They're going to ball out. Yeah, I mean, they have to, right? Like, you, you, you would think just coming off a loss in general, that's going to be the case. But, you know, Milwaukee's going to be pretty pissed, too. <laughs> you know, so I actually think we're in for a really good game. And I think that if you saw last year's games, um, like the first one up in Milwaukee – you know, Milwaukee came out early and, and was was taking care of business, and the Lakers kind of made it a little closer at the end. The Lakers smacked them uh, in the second game. That's the game Giannis got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I, I think this Milwaukee team, you know, in theory, right, and maybe this is why you think that they'll be the team that the Lakers will see in the finals, has the parts to make it challenging at times against the Lakers. Is that fair? Oh, God, yeah. Well, you better if you're if you have a two-time MVP with a Defensive Player of the Year award to boot, his squad better be a challenge. Otherwise, you know, reporters who voted for Giannis need to have their reporting badge taken. So they better be a challenge. Giannis heavily awarded, and oh by the way, all those awards are warranted. He's an amazing player, and he's got a running mate, and he's got a good squad. So they better be a challenge. Yeah, I, I, I am curious to see because I, I you know me, I'm down on Giannis right now. Um, and why? I don't I, I, why? Well, I mean, why? for the reasons you've astutely pointed out that, you know, my man can't hit a jumper when it matters, you know. And at, at the end of the day, that's one of those things that I still feel like if he doesn't do, um, you know, that team is still very limited. And while I like Drew and Chris Middleton as as, you know, guys on on a good roster. Right. Like, I think they're good players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, like, guys that I'm like, wow, those guys are super-duper difference makers in a championship setting. Like, I think that needs to still be uh, proven, right, to me. So there's that. So I I just got a lot of questions about them. It feels like Chris Middleton is, like, on that sort of, I want to say Kyle Lowry trajectory, you know, Mm -hmm. where it just took Kyle a little bit longer to become a beast in the postseason the way you needed him to be. But once right. he figured it out, you know, he's invaluable. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's 6'9", and he's like a great long defender. Like, he can yeah, shoot, I mean, he can do everything. You're right. Like He's, he's a 50-40-90 guy. Like, he's right. got it all. He's yeah. just got to, you know, so everyone doesn't, you know, get, you know, to the place they need to be at the time that we would like them to get there. And I look at Chris Middleton, and I go, it's not about his heart. It's not about his skill set. It's not about his size. It just sometimes takes some guys a little bit longer. Remember, Kyle Lowry used to be clowned all the time for his play he was. in the postseason. Yeah. And then one day, you know. He balled he out. figured it out. 
He balled out in the biggest moment of his career. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, and that and that's how it worked. It, you can change the narrative very quickly. I don't think there's any question. We've seen that in every sport, really, right, across yeah. the board. Speaking of changing narratives, we'll have some of that coming up next as we look at the championship games this weekend, plus a list of the top ten basketball movies that left me befuddled, LZ. Befuddled, I say. I love that word. All right, we'll get to that in four minutes. Stick around. Sedano and LZ, 710 ESPN. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. So, LZ, I was um, on Twitter earlier, and I came across this, uh, this list on Whistle Sports. So, Whistle Sports, one of these, like, accounts that just, uh, you know, they, they do, like, um, um, they're more like a, a podcast kind of modern version of like what kind of sports has evolved into or sports media has evolved into as like a, their own kind of entity. And they do a lot of lists, right? So I happened to come across this list and mm-hmm. they did a list of the top 10 basketball movies and they ranked them Ooh. in reverse order from 10 to one. And okay. they had number 10, they ranked semi-pro. It's fine. Like whatever. I mean, whatever. Like it just also... I mean, it, 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 it's funny. It's it's funny. It's, you know, it's not like one of these movies that I'm like, oh, I got to see semi-pro. Like, I saw it once. It was funny. I don't need to see it again. But then number nine, I had to ask you because I didn't even know what this was. And it's <laughs> The Way Back. And you said it was what? It's the Ben Affleck White Shadow remake, sort of, where he's like, I believe he was a recovering alcoholic and through coaching basketball, he finds love and life and happiness or something like that. Huh? Right. And, and it was released earlier this year. Now it was released right around the pandemic. So that, I think that kind of changed, you know, that, that didn't help. Um, and so I, I clearly didn't see it. Um, I'm sure it's a nice story, but I, I find it very hard to believe that you should put a movie in the top 10 that bas- of basketball movies that literally came out 10 months ago. Like I, like yeah. I, I didn't even know what the movie was, and I cover basketball for a living. <laughs> okay, like I've watched all the basketball movies. Okay, like I would have put Glory Road there ahead of uh, The Way Back. Uh, Glory right. Road has at least got super duper historical significance. You know what I mean? And right. uh, Texas El Paso, right? And like that that whole situation and the first five black players to play on a court together in college basketball and they did it in the championship game you know Ridley Scott directed it Pat Riley was the consultant because he played against the team when he played for Kentucky at Adolph Rupp what was the like, name? Josh something or another was the coach. oh the guy who played the coach you're saying um yeah. he's in a bunch of movies um yeah he's been around a long time yeah I it, we did a I, project with him at ESPN when the when the film came out so we spent a lot of time with the crew and um did a lot of pieces with them for the magazine as well as for ESPN.com. Yeah. But I'm trying to remember his name because Josh, he, Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas totally hit on a friend of mine. Oh. In the most egregious way. That all I could do was laugh as yeah. I was watching it happen. Male friend or female friend? <laughs> female friend. 
Oh, okay. it was a male friend. We've been fighting over it, but it was <laughs> female friends I just watched. All right, so the way back is in there. Number eight, Space Jam. I'm fine with Space Jam in the top ten. Um, above the Rim, uh, you know, I'm fine with Above the Rim in, in the top ten. Uncut Gems, also a little new, but a good movie. Um, and it, it's it's less about a basketball movie, although it, it is got a lot of basketball in it. It's more of a gambling movie. Um, here's where I, I draw the line a little bit, too. Blue mm-hmm. Chips at five. Now, look. I liked Blue Chips when I was, I don't know, 14 when the movie came out or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, there were some real-life uh, aspects to it, just how dirty college basketball is. Nick Nolte playing this, uh, this uh, Bobby Knight-esque style coach, kicking mm-hmm. a ball into the stands. Like, I get, you know, Shaq being Neon Bedeau. Rick Fox is in the movie. A bunch of guys, Calvert Chaney, a bunch of dudes in the movie, right? Penny Hardaway is in the movie. Um, but I don't think of it as like a top five basketball movie, do you? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely. But you know, I, I've I got a couple of movies you've already mentioned wouldn't have been on this my top ten list. So keep going. Right. So number four is Love and Basketball. Now that one I have zero problem with. Love and Basketball right. is a good movie. My only problem is that it's too low. I think it's top three, but go on. Right. I would say probably a little low. Number three is Coach Carter. Coach Carter, good movie. Don't know if it's top three though. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could see it in the top ten, but three seems egregious, okay? And I love uh, Samuel Jackson. Uh, number two, I, I don't got an issue with White Man Can't Jump. I think it's I think you can make a case it could be number one. Um, why can't White Man Can't Jump? You good? Oh, dude, listen. As a regular baller on Venice Beach, um, I thought that movie captured the culture and the environment perfectly yeah it did even though it's dated it is still very much like that still very much like that for sure and then number one he got game um look denzel the the whole you know ray allen uh, i thought ray allen was actually really good in that movie like for a guy who had never acted before yeah yeah i thought he was i thought he was fine i thought he yeah. was good yeah it, so it's I, always it's always hard when you have a movie with drama yeah to decide if you're going to hire the athlete to play the sport or hire the actor to play the role because you only can do one. It's really right. rare you can get a guy who looks like he actually can do the game or play right. the game mm-hmm. and hold down the scene. Yeah. And I thought he did. I thought he did a pretty good job. I thought he did. I a thought he was fine. Job. I thought he was yeah. fine. I um, would have made it number one, but I, I I thought he was fine. I'm okay with it. Like I'm okay. There are plenty of issues with this list. That's not one of them. All right. Uh, so that's the top ten uh, in, in these basketball movie lists, which I thought was, uh, you know, it left me a little befuddled with the uh, Ben Affleck movie. But nonetheless, um, so that's a top ten. We got the top four left in the NFL LZ, and we've got a situation where, you know, it, this is the time where narratives right drive mm. a conversation, yes. and the narrative. Uh, on all these guys, particularly the quarterbacks, are different. The narrative on Brady is, oh, he's he's got the chip on his shoulder. You know, that's the narrative. You know, the old gunslinger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then with Aaron, it is also a similar narrative, except he doesn't have the winning. So it's like he's kind of been a little bit of an underachiever, right? And then Jared Allen is just like, yo, he's just we're just happy to see him here, right? Like, right. hey, welcome to the party, kid. And then Patrick Mahomes, the narrative is, he should be the best guy, or at least people think he is the best guy or can be the best guy. Can he cement it by winning back-to-back, which not very many quarterbacks have done? Um, which of those narratives seems the most accurate to you? Uh, um, in terms of 
how like the percent them and what the reality is? Correct. I would say um, the conversation about Aaron Rodgers right. is the most accurate. That here you have arguably, not even arguably, not from my perspective, I think Aaron Rodgers is definitively the best quarterback of his generation. He doesn't have the accomplishments of others because it is a team sport, but as an individual, what he has done and who he has done it with is remarkable. But he still only has one Super Bowl appearance. And if he retires with only one Super Bowl appearance and one ring, it's going to be hard for people to see him as a GOAT contender because it's like going, come on, dog, Ben Roethlisberger at least got two. <laughs> right. So we, we've, we're, we're so focused in on championships. And so Aaron needs a second one so he can say, I got more rings. So I got at least as many rings as Eli Manning and Peyton. Right, but th- but doesn't that really show you that the Rangs convo? And I know that you you and I have talked about this before. Um, like, it's just tough for me to go with that. Like in basketball, I feel like it might even be a little easier conversation. Although there's the caveat of the Jordan years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but because one guy can impact the game so much, and again, we know quarterback can certainly impact the game. But there's still three, you know, two other facets to that, to the game, you know, when it comes to the NFL? There are, but we don't market and promote the game that way. We certainly don't talk about it in the barbershops and salons in that fashion. Mm -hmm. We typically shorthand it to the quarterback versus the quarterback, which isn't fair to either man and certainly isn't fair to either team. But that's the way we choose to promote it because we like personalities way more than we like franchises. We well, want personality because you can sell personalities. Yeah. Well, to your point, I, I think that that one and the Mahomes one are the two most accurate because Mahomes is being viewed as the next coming, right? And if he wins back right. to back, um, I think that that puts him in a different class, right? Like, I, I don't yes. think there's any doubt. Um, but I'm with you on Aaron in this case. It's why I'm rooting for him because I want that narrative to go away because I don't think it's fair as I – you know, when we had this conversation um, uh, yesterday – and actually even last week heading into the matchup against the Rams, you know, I just feel like Green Bay is a really tough place to win. You know what I mean? Like, it it, it kind of reminds me a little bit um, of, like, Oregon football, although probably not a complete <laughs> – you know, whereas, like, Oregon football has Nike, right? Everyone's like, whoa, how can you not win at Oregon? You got Nike backing you. Well, it's not like you have the most fertile recruit- recruiting ground in Oregon. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm-hmm. that aspect of it, too. And in, in some ways, people say, well, you have Aaron. You should have won more. But it's like, yo, it's Green Bay. They don't even have an owner. Uh, the general manager doesn't have to answer to anybody. And it's certainly not a free agent destination. Like, you got to hit all your drafts, basically. So I do feel like there is um, a little bit of a hindrance there, too. So I, 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 to your point, though, because of that, I want Aaron to win so that way people can just leave him alone already. I, I do, too. I do, too. And, and remember, his uh, predecessor at least went to two Super Bowls. He may have only won one, but he went to two back-to-back. And, you know, I know that, you know, they're friends now and the past is the past, but they're also very competitive. And I know Brett Favre is very much aware of the fact that Aaron Rodgers has only been to one, that he only has taken his old franchise to one, and he's taken him to two. He's keeping that in his hip pocket. Oh, no and, doubt. And you, you, wanna, you don't want that to – to be hanging over Aaron Rodgers either because Aaron Rodgers is infinitely a better quarterback than Brett Favre. All 
All right, coming up next, uh, you and I are going to dive into two things. One, uh, Kyrie is coming back tomorrow, and Harden and Durant look really good. And I want to talk about what the concerns would look like if you're the Lakers or even the Clippers facing the Nets now that we've seen what Harden looks like with Durant. And, uh, you know, we'll have to drop in Kyrie into this experiment in a second. Plus, Deshaun Watson. No relation to Randy Watson from coming to America. But Deshaun Watson, a top five quarterback, is available, and the odds are out. What about your favorite team? Where do they rank in the Deshaun Watson sweepstake? We'll have that for you coming up in just a second. Don't forget, at 6 o'clock, Steve Weish is going to join us, NFL Network reporter, longtime NFL Network reporter, who's got an interesting story about the relationship between Goff and McVay. So we'll talk to him at 6. But we'll be back in four minutes. Sedano and LZ, 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sedano and LZ with you here on 710 ESPN. So LZ, Harden and Durant took the court yesterday and beat Giannis and company. We talked about that a little bit uh, a few minutes ago in reference to kind of the Lakers taking on the Bucks here coming up. But I thought James Harden and Kevin Durant looked really good together yesterday. Did you watch that at all? They did. They they look they looked good yesterday, and you know it'd be nice to see what happens to this squad as it continues to gel. Um, I don't think you can take a great deal out of their their competition yesterday against the the Bucks because we just need to see that strung together to see if they can be consistent to see what happens when they face a team with hot shooter and blah 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 blah. Because remember, among the things that happened yesterday, DeAndre Jordan was fixed six from six. And uh, James Harden shot 50% from the field. Well, James is like a career 43% shooter from the field, and you don't expect a great deal of six-for-six performances out of DeAndre Jordan. So in a lot of ways, it's hard to call that the epitome of Brooklyn Nets basketball because so much happened that is outside of what veteran players normally do. So we got to see if they can do that consistently. Now, are you comfortable with the Kyrie fit, or is that something that concerns you for them? Well, first of all, shout out to Kyrie for speaking his truth and buying a home for George Floyd's family. Yeah. And really kind of following through on some of the things he talked about and was criticized about, you know, over the summer. Now, I still don't think he should have treated my boy Steve like that, and he certainly shouldn't have treated the oh, franchise and his teammates like that. But sure. Disappearing. Those, but, those, those feelings should can absolutely be uh, separate from each other. You exactly. can absolutely laud him for what he's doing in, in really off the court in general, right? And also be like, it would have been cool if you just text your boss and said, it hey. It would have been cool. You know, exactly. I, I just need a few days to do this. So he can get your back. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not going to let him off the hook for that. But I just want to give him his props because we hear a lot about what he doesn't do. And I want to take the time to shine, put some shine on what he has done. Right. With all that being said, um, Kyrie will be a perfect fit for them. He'll be a perfect fit for them. The question is, 
who's going to be the one willing to make the sacrifices offensively in terms of touches? Mm-hmm. You know, and it looks and, like James is willing to be the point guard. Oh, we'll see. He talked about it yesterday in his post game interview. He, he talks with, a lot, George. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. But. So we'll we we have to wait and see. Before they played the Lakers, he talked about the team is coming together. He can feel his head in the right direction. After the Lakers, he said that this ain't working. Houston's not working. So it's like he talks a lot. So we got to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I just think he can be a good point guard. Like, he's got the skill set for it. He's oh, got a better yeah. skill set to be a point guard than Kyrie does. Real talk, I thought one of the biggest mistakes that they made in Houston was choosing Westbrook over Harden when it came to which of the big three they needed to move for financial reasons. Because at that time, I, I had thought that KD and Harden were a better pair. But that's when James was younger. He was more willing to play defense, and he was in shape. So now, <laughs> years later, where he's had an opportunity to sort of probably develop a lot of bad habits that he's got to work his way through, and they're all a little bit older. So we have to see if they can maintain or sustain the level that we saw last night. But last night was a nice win. I'm not taking anything away from him. But James doesn't normally shoot north of 50% from the field. For KD, yeah, happens all the time. For James, he's a career like 43, 44% shooter. So that means he was a lot more efficient last night than he has been in his career. So we need to see what happens over the course of many games, not just the one. Yeah, no, I get that. But I think a lot of that is because of the amount of threes he's taking, like literally like 15 a game. You know what I mean? Like I think that that that, that also plays a role when you look at his shot chart, you know, that that, that kind of plays into it some. Um, because his points per possession and like true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, those things, not to get too nerdy, uh, but those things are right up there at the tops in the league because it factors in the quality of shots that you're taking or the types of shots that you're taking rather. Um, now – Real quick before we switch to Deshaun Watson, because I do want to mm-hmm. get into this before Steve Weish joins us of the NFL Network, because we're going to talk to him about McVay and Goff's relationship, which he wrote about on NFL.com and basically said, quote, that the source told him they need marriage counseling. However, marriage yeah, yeah. However, um, if you're the Lakers or even the Clippers, when you're looking at a particular matchup against Brooklyn potentially down the road, what are the things that you say to yourself? If you're doing the scouting report, what are the things that you're worried about? Um, Concerned, guys, even. Oh, their guys going off and us not being able to, to stop the bleeding. That's number one. KD, Harden, those guys are capable of dropping 50 at a moment's notice mm-hmm. if you're not careful. Right. And you got to watch them. Right. And once they get rolling, it's hard to stop those two, especially KD. Right. Whose shooting touch is already a handful, but just his sheer size limits who you can actually put on him that could have any effect on him. And then the other part is, are you maximizing your advantages? You got to maximize your advantages when facing that team, too. AD. Because they're not a great defensive squad. So no, they're bad. So you need to punish bad. them for not being a good defensive squad. <laughs> yeah. You need to punish them for that. <laughs> Just let's call it what it is. They're bad on defense. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, they're yeah. bad. Yeah. But you got to punish them for it, yeah. which means you can't get seduced into three-point shooting and, right. and bailing them out. You need to keep putting pressure on them, especially pressure going to the rim. Because as soon as you start getting 
their guys in foul trouble, particularly DeAndre, they don't have sides beyond him. They don't, at least not right now. Now, maybe in the buyout market, right they, they may find someone, but at least right now, that is absolutely the case. But, yeah, I'm with you. That, that is a great scouting report. You should be a scout, LZ. Yeah, well, you know, I hang around a little bit. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's talk about Deshaun Watson. The odds are out, LZ. Curtis, hit some music for me. Give me some NFL music here. Um, the odds are, are out for uh, Deshaun Watson's next team. Everyone seems to think that Deshaun Watson's days in Houston are numbered. I know Adam Schefter was talking about it yesterday on Get Up. Um, here are the odds of the first couple, the first five, right? Jets at two to one, Dolphins at three to one, Bears who could have drafted him at four to one, <laughs> Broncos at five to one, which is an interesting fit, uh, and then tied for fifth at eight to one are the Colts and the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots are in there because the new GM in Houston it, it came from New England. Mm-hmm. Um, now, give me a team and I'll tell you where they're at. Um, well, let's start with New England, the last team we mentioned. Right, eight to one. They are the fifth team. Uh, the the Raiders, interestingly enough, are are kind of like not a dark horse, but not in that first five, but just outside of it. They're kind of in that next group of teams, and they're only twelve to one because they got weapons, right? Like you put Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson on that team, all of a sudden it's like, ooh, okay. Now we do know that Houston said they want to keep him. That's correct. I think they did, but he, yeah. he, he he the way Adam said it. Adam said that this is Deshaun driving this and that he is in control. Well, yeah, yeah, typically the players are. Um, what about the Rams? The Rams, not so good. 30 to 1. And they are, I'm trying to see, so 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So basically the middle of the pack. Hmm, just like our quarterback right now. Yeah, 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 <laughs> unfortunately. So, yeah, it, it is. I'm trying to see, like, if there's anything in here that would be a good bet. Um, let me see. Washington football team at 12 to I like the Raiders at 12 to 1. Ooh, the Niners at 20 to 1. That actually, if I were actually placing a bet, that's one I would consider betting on. I, 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 whatever the team is, I think a competent GM will make sure that that team is NFC if at all possible. Yeah. So I, I, I like the Niners. I think the yeah. Niners is a good choice. It's hard for me to see um, them trading that dude to a squad they're going to see regularly going forward. Yeah, Especially I would. Especially since chances no. are they're not going to yeah. have a quarterback in exchange. Now, we can offer them golf and cup and right. see if they would bite. Yeah. You know, we can – Offered him a, a quarterback and a receiver that are comp, that are accomplished. Yeah. And one quarterback, one cup. Rapport. Yeah. And see what happens. Yeah. But one but, Q, one one QB, one cup. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, that's, all that's right. So what you did there? We'll, we'll ask Steve Weish about Jared Goff and Sean McVay's marriage, and he said they need marriage counseling, or at least that's what a source told him in his latest story on NFL.com. We'll talk to Steve Weish about that in four minutes. Stick around. And we've got what you need to know in between. Sedato and LZ, 710 ESPN.